The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, fathers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, mothers, let's go down. Come on down, don't you want to go down? Come on, mothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sinners, let's go down, down in the river to I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty, so Brother Kevin, he's our producer, Would you put another song on and give us just a few more minutes to get all the technical things worked out?
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. I was pushed back, about to fall. 
but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give thanks, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine upon us with bows in hand. Join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 118. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. This Psalm 118 was the psalm that was probably sung by the Jewish people at the Feast of Tabernacles on that great day when Jesus was teaching in the temple, in the courtyard. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was held in the fall. It was it was about water. And on the eighth day, the priest would go to the pool of Siloam and he would take a silver pitcher filled with water and he would bring it back into the temple and he would pour it into a large silver basin right beside the altar or sometimes they actually poured it on the altar. This was the, the water and gratitude to the Lord for his provision for them. This was the time of great celebration. Um, the day of atonement is past. They're clean before God. Yet they offer sacrifices and they read together, no, they sing together, nine psalms. 118 is one of those. Now, it's in this setting, this festive occasion, as they're bringing the water in from the pool of Siloam, Jesus is standing outside in the courtyard with all the people, and he cries out. Let me read you to, for you what he said. 
John the seventh chapter. This is on the last and the greatest day of the feast. There were eight days to the Feast of Tabernacles. Later they added a ninth day. But this is called the greatest day because on this day everything centered around the Jewish nation. In the earlier part of the week they had prayed for others, other nations, other peoples. But on this day they prayed for the Jewish people in Jerusalem and in the land of promise that they had been brought into. And of course they were sleeping at night in booths that they had made as they were directed to do to celebrate the 40 years coming out of the wilderness led by Moses to the promised land. And so now on this last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and in a loud voice he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And on hearing his words, the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, No, he is the Christ. Jesus is making an astonishing statement. And if you will catch this, and oh, I pray God will give me the ability to express it. All last week, I spoke about coming close to Jesus. Coming close to Jesus. We don't need to come close to religion. We need to come close to Jesus. Close to Jesus. He's saying that if you believe in him, streams of living water will flow from within you. What flows from within you? When I was a, just a boy, my father in Longmont, Colorado, had a job as the director, the leader of the irrigation Everything on the farm had to be irrigated, and they raised fields and fields of sugar beets, large, beautiful sugar beets, that would then be shipped out to make sugar. This was on the Wing Ranch. We lived on that property. We had a farmhouse on that property. And Dad would go out in the fields, and often I'd love to go with him. And one of the things that we would do is... The stream, the flowing stream, had to be dammed up to raise the water level so that it would flow into the irrigation ditch. And as it flowed into the irrigation ditch, it would then flow out into the field. And it would go into the ditches beside the plants and water them. The soil was good, but we needed water for sugar beet. So sometimes dad would say, Ray, go block the stream. And I knew what he meant. He meant take the long pole 
with a piece of heavy canvas on it, take it out to the stream, drop it in the water, and then get in the water and fasten that down with rocks and mud to dam up that that stream that was flowing so that the water would raise maybe a foot, and that would be enough to divert the water into the field. What I always like to look for were the snapping turtles that would get very upset when their water stream was cut off and they'd climb out of the of the water stream and they'd begin to wander around looking what what happened to my water and I love to play with them big dinner plate sized snapping turtles but one thing I I noticed how how stinky and how muddy that irrigation flow was that flowed down that stream bed when the water was cut off. Have you ever walked down a, a riverbed when the water was all but gone? You notice the, the mud and the fish dying and the stink, the stench of the rotting fish and the rotting mud as it dried out in the hot sun. Rocks, debris. The water would flow into the irrigation field. And then after a time, Dad would say, Ray, go back and release the water. So I'd go back and wade into the water again and pull those stones out and get out of the water and pull up one side of the dam, the canvas dam, and the water would just rush down that stream again. And the water level would drop. Why am I taking all this time to talk about an irrigation ditch? Well, because... What does Jesus want? He's saying, streams of living water will flow from within you. Remember, Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So what Jesus really is saying is, he wants you to be a riverbed. And he wants the flow of water stopped in your life. And he wants to flow instead through that channel, through that riverbed. He wants to flow with his life. He wants fresh, clean water to cleanse that riverbed so that the water is no longer dirty or muddy. And he wants sparkling, clear beautiful crystal water flowing down that channel of your life. So I have to stop and just ask you the question, what is it that's flowing out of your life? (laughs) Is it muddy and dirty and stinky? Or is it the flow of Jesus Christ 
clean. If the flow of your life were suddenly held up and we got to see clearly what was in the bed of your life, what would we find there? Would we find snapping turtles? Would we find rocks and debris, all kinds of uncleanness? It's all hidden because nobody can see the bottom. All we see is the water flowing on the top. But what happens if suddenly everything in your life is exposed? One of the great difficulties I have in in coming and sharing all of this with you is that many of you have a large flow of busyness, of work, of emotions, of feelings, of bitterness, of anger, of addictions. You have all of this stuff flowing in your life, but people can't tell it because you've got it all covered up in the flow and you look normal and happy, and but you're not. You're cynical, you're mad, you're angry, you won't forgive, you have an attitude, you're not going to submit to anybody for anything, you're going to do what you want to do and demand that everybody meet what you want, well, then you've got snapping turtles in your life. Part of what I've discovered in my life is that Jesus wants to cut off by his blood and his mercy He wants to cut off that human flow that goes down the riverbed of my life. If that water that flows out of your life was dammed up and it went into another channel, would it bring life or is it polluted? Would it bring death to everything it touches? Some of you bring destruction and death wherever you go. Oh, you hide it under a quick laugh and a smile, and you think you're fine. I've been so self-deceived. I have to tell you, so many times in my life, I've created havoc by my decisions. I've caused harm and hurt to people, not intentionally, just following the flow of my life. But it's been destructive when that flow has risen and gone into the fields of other people's lives. Now, praise God, that's not always been true. Many times the overflow of my life has brought life to other people because it was the overflow of Jesus Christ. But it has not always been. Sometimes I've made choices and decisions that were simply wrong. But in my stubbornness, in my demand to have what I want, what I think I need, (laughs) been a... How about your life? Is your life a polluted stream? I only know of one way to getting clean water, and that's to have the fountain of dirty water stopped, cut off. That's why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. 
yet I, not yet I, but Christ lives in me. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. There is no solution to the filth and dirt of your life, of my life. There is no solution but an entire crucifixion with Jesus Christ, a dying out, stopping the flow. Now, this requires very specific action on your part. You say, well, what action, Pastor? Coming to Jesus and ask him to expose in your life every area of cooperation with the powers of darkness. Asking Jesus, and by the way, at the National Prayer Chapel, we did this several weeks ago, and it's like all hell has broken out since then where we just finally say corporately, look, Lord Jesus, would you show us, would you make plain to us every place we are in any way cooperating with the powers of darkness in our life and the stream of our life is being polluted by these things of wickedness and darkness that we're even unaware of. Would you wash us? And the cry of my heart has been, Jesus, wash me cleanse me, make me fit and ready for the stream of flowing living water from the Holy Spirit to gush out of my life. This description here is not a few drops. This is a gushing forth of the power and the presence of the Lord Almighty. So in this great festival day, the Feast of Tabernacles, on the eighth day when he brings this fresh water from the pool of Siloam, and he pours it into the silver basin there at the foot of the altar. Jesus is saying, I'm that stream of living water. It's not tradition that we need. It's not, it's not symbolic things we need. It's the real deal we have to have. So the first place we have to start is in the prayer closet in repentance, saying, Jesus, the stream of my life, as I look at it, has not always been producing pure water because it comes out of a heart that is not pure. So Jesus, would you give me a new heart, a clean heart? Would you scrub out the channel of my life? Would you clean out the snapping turtles? Will you clean out the debris? Will you clean out the mud? Will you clean out the stench of my life that I've managed to keep hidden from almost everybody all of my life? Could you clean out all the pretend religion? Please don't misunderstand me when I say this. But most... Religion just makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me want to vomit. Because people come into a church and they go through all their stuff and then they leave and live destructive, dishonest lives just like they lived when they came in. They leave and they're unchanged. I can't live like that anymore. There has to be a a radical cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. There has to be a 
a new choice about the stream of water that will flow through my life. Believe me, as I come to this radio broadcast, I've been much in the prayer closet from early hours of this morning pleading, Jesus, let no polluted water flow in this broadcast today. Let it be the clear, clean stream of your Holy Spirit. I'm not interested in coming and teaching you facts about the the Feast of Tabernacles, even though that's interesting. I'm not interested in coming and comforting you in the stench of the flow of your life. I came instead to say, look, you don't have to continue in that stench by the grace of Jesus Christ. His blood will wash and cleanse you of all your addiction, all of your bitterness, all of your anger, all of your hurts will be healed by the blood of Jesus, the stream that flows the stream that flows. So what is the condition? What is the condition of your heart? How do you stand today? Do you recognize that what I'm talking about is real for you? Or are you going to blow this off and say, I'm fine with hardness of heart. Or do you want this stream of living water that flows so graciously from the heart of our Savior? There's a passage of Scripture that I want to spend a little time with. It's found in Matthew, the third chapter. Jesus comes in the third chapter. He's called out of the workshop where he's been laboring and sweating as a carpenter, as a stonemason. He's called out now to begin his ministry of redemption. And he comes to John the Baptist. And there... John the Baptist tries to deter him from being baptized. But Jesus said, no, I must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. So he's baptized. And in the third chapter, verse 17, verse 16, the heavens were opened and he, John, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And you would expect that Jesus would then be led straight to Jerusalem where he would stand in the temple and begin to teach. But he was not yet ready for that. He had to face the temptations the devil would throw at him. And so this very strong carpenter, stonemason, was led by the Spirit straight into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 
40 days and 40 nights. And he was hungry. That meant his body had begun to consume itself and the body was demanding food or death would soon come. It was at this point that the devil, the tempter as he's called, came to him and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, God has not provided for you for the last 40 days. You are dying. Do you want to live? If so, then do what you have to do. If you're the son of God, you have the power to make these stones into bread. And you can eat. Now, part of what Jesus is dealing with in these temptations, and I've never taught this before but the Holy Spirit has unveiled it to my eyes part of what Jesus the very heart of what Jesus is dealing with is the flow of the stream of his life now the Holy Spirit has lighted on him and now fresh clean water because he has not sinned he's walked clean before God And now the water of the Holy Spirit is ready to rush through his life, to flow through his life into the lives of the sons and daughters of Adam. And so this water is ready to flow, and the devil comes and offers a temptation that will completely block the flow of that water of life from his heart, from his belly, from from who Jesus is as the Son of God. And he does that by saying, look, you can't trust God to provide. You have power. Use your power. Take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. Just this morning, I received a text from a man saying, Pastor, this is what I need to do to take care of me. And I wrote back and I said, when are you going to just stand? Not be moved. Come on. Take up your courage. Stand. Why? Because the devil will come and say, you go ahead and do this and it'll make peace and and everything will be okay and you can live. And then out of your heart flows the filth, the anger, the bitterness, the self-condemnation, the confusion. If somebody says to me, Pastor, I'm confused. Well, confusion comes from the devil, not from Jesus. It means you have a mixed flow in your life. You're trying to be a Christian, but you're also living as a pagan. Somewhere you've got to stop and say, Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do those drugs anymore. I'm not going to do that fornication anymore. I'm not going to do anything that's going to take care of me and salve me. I'm not going to take that drug of choice, the television and the sports. I'm not going to go this way anymore. I am going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to stop the flow of wickedness by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to walk clean before him. I'm not going to provide for myself. 
I'm shy to even talk about this, but I have a I have a great need in my life. And the devil says to me, you can take care of that. Just go do it. I said, whoa, wait a minute. Yes, I can take care of this. I can take out a loan. I can take care of this. I can make payments. If I do that, I will pollute the stream of my life. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that's facing me. Because the Lord has said to me, wait upon the Lord, and the Lord will carry you. Rest in me, Ray. So I don't have the right to provide for myself. So I wait on the Lord. See, Jesus is starving. He's ready to die. His body is eating itself. He is he is so hungry. And the devil says, look, you can take care of this. Not a problem. Just be the man. Prove yourself. Take care of it. And then you can go on and do your ministry. Do you see the devil is trying to get Jesus to pollute the stream of his life that will cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved? Now, he's not going to do that. You cannot tempt God to do wrong. So this falls on deaf ears. But, oh, my ears are not deaf. And the devil comes and he offers his deal to me. very tempting but my heart is revolted by it I step back from it and I say devil I resist you in the name of Jesus and I am not going to take this action that will grieve the Holy Spirit and pollute the flow that he's bringing to flow through my life. I will not do that. Jesus would not provide for himself. I'm not going to provide for myself. End of discussion, Mr. Devil. Get behind me. Now, that wasn't the end of the temptations. Round number two. Jesus begins to have scripture quoted to him as though he doesn't know the word. It is written, the devil says, man does not live on bread alone. No, I'm sorry. Jesus answers the devil. Before we go to the next point, Jesus said man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is acknowledging that he needs bread to eat but he's not going to provide it for himself. He's going to wait. He's going to wait for his Lord, his God. Okay, round number two. Then the devil took him to the holy city. This is Matthew, the fourth chapter, the fifth verse. And he had Jesus stand 
on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. In other words, make a splendid entrance. You want to talk about ministry? You want the flow of God in your life and you're not going to provide for yourself? Okay, I buy that. Let's have God provide for you. So he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Okay, you have a promise to stand on. I pulled the scripture out for you. You have a promise, Mr. Devil says. So go ahead and thrust yourself out and God will rescue you. Jesus answers, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The scripture says, do not put God to the test. Okay, we have two temptations here. In one, he's saying, look, you're hungry. You need to take care of business. Take care of business. Do what you have to do. Whatever it takes to satisfy your stomach, your heart, your mind. Just go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Fornication, Mr. Devil says, is is not that serious. You can repent after you've fornicated. You know you're a man. You know you're a woman. You know you, you have sexual needs. So go for it. God will forgive you. He loves you. His love is unconditional. That's always the devil's position. That's not God's position. That's the devil's position. If you believe that God's love is unconditional, you believe the devil. Nowhere in scripture is it taught. It's unfailing love, not unconditional love. Big difference. So now, Satan comes with another temptation. He comes with the the other end of the bookend. And he tempts Jesus to leap from the highest point of the temple into the courtyard. Other men have done this and have died. Other supposed messiahs have done this and died. So he's saying, why don't you jump and then everybody will know that you're the son of God and they'll listen to you. You have the promise of scripture saying, They'll lift you up in their hands. You won't strike your foot against a stone. You'll be okay. You can do it. I want to put my hand over my mouth. I want to stop the flow of the thrusting out of the human heart. How many times have I thrust myself out thrust myself out to be the man to be somebody and I've lost
Well, I'm going to stop there for a moment. We're almost out of time for today. We, we do have a few minutes. We're going to come back to this tomorrow. But I'd like to invite anyone who has a testimony to call and share that testimony. Just recently, I prayed for a young woman. And God blessed that young woman with healing in an intestinal problem. I'd like her to call and bear witness. If you have a testimony, call 877-534-0780. And right now on the line, we do have someone who would like to give a testimony. So, Mr. Kevin, do we have a name? Junior. Good. Put Junior on. Hi, Junior. Welcome. Pastor Greenleaf, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing well. What would you like hey, to share? Man, I wanted to tell you, man, I appreciate you so much. I know I don't give much or call much, but man, I guess it's been 10 years ago when you were on the air. It's probably been maybe nine years ago. You prayed for me. I called and I shared with you that I had stage three to four um, cancer, hidden yes. neck cancer. And at the time, you were going through your situation with your wife, and you shared with me that you were in a battle yourself, you know, with with her, and you were praying for her that she'd be healed. And, and you prayed for me, man. I remember. And I I've, thank you. I've wondered what happened to you, Junior. <laughs> it was all the Lord. What and happened? I think, and I know you're nothing. You're zero. <laughs> all of us are zeros, but it's all him. And, it's and all I Jesus. Thank you, man, that you prayed. So what happened? I thank you. I um, I had surgery. They removed it. I had radiation, chemo, and um, I was given a 50-50 chance. And I remember my wife telling me, statistics don't matter with God. That's right. And um, <laughs> he chose to save me. He, he chose to have mercy on me for no reason, no good reason of my own. But that day I called there, he, he used you to pray for me, to calm my spirit. Yes. And um, I, think, I think I called you, you were at home. And yes. um, I think you said you were out back or something. You were just praying, and and uh, it was just perfect timing. And I, I greatly appreciated my brother. I remember that day clearly, and I was out. I was out in the patio, and I was crying out to the Lord. My wife was dying of cancer. Yes, yes. And yes. the Spirit of God was so powerful and so present. And when I prayed for you, there was such a peace. I praise God yeah. for your testimony. I know yeah. he saved your life. Yeah, he, he, he put out that scepter towards me. He put out that scepter and said, I will have mercy on you. Yes. And, um, now, Junior, and I'm still here. Are you living clean with Jesus? Are you using these years that he gave you to honor his name, or are you back in sin? No, I am. I am living clean Praise and God. trying to be even more dedicated to Him yes. every day. 
Yes. And I, I just look at how much time I have wasted. Even yes. since I've been healed, how much time I have been I have wasted. And I must say, when I listen to your program, I don't catch it too often. But when I do, I am encouraged to to keep my focus on God and to let go of everything in this world, everything. Junior, can I say something? Don't keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on Jesus. Amen. He's Amen. your Savior. Yes, He is. You see, yeah. we don't. We worship our Father in heaven, and yeah. we worship Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're kept and directed. Yeah. So keep close to Jesus. I will. I will. He loves you. He saved you. you. <laughs> he did for no reason. Just his mercy. Just his, his mercy. mercy and love. Wow. And I am so thankful and grateful. And because I, I look at others who he decided whether to take home or whatever, and to be absent from the body, present with the Lord, to live as, to die, to live as Christ, to die as gain. But I know he still has more for me. And I look at how much time I wasted. And I've got to keep my focus on Jesus. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. In the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus and you've got to be in him. And I tell you, about three, about six months ago, I was up praying about 3 a.m., And the Lord very quietly said to me, I have forgiven all your sins. And I'll tell you, I've walked in such freedom from that day. I praise his name. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, let me pray quickly with you. I'm out of air time. Lord, I lift Junior before your throne and ask you to continue in your mercy to spare his life and his wife. And I ask that they would draw very close to you, Jesus, that they would be in you, and that this living water I'm speaking of today would flow, flow through the riverbed of their lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Stay in touch. I'll be praying, my brother, for you too. God bless. Thank you. Well, this has been Pilgrim's Progress. We're going to pick it up here tomorrow. I'd love to hear from you. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or would you go online to nationalprayerchapel.com and you can click the Donate button there and give online. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22. One nine five. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.